Welcome to Babylon Over Brews. Deep thoughts ferment over time and text. I'm coming at you, Aaron Crew Juice for Verk, and I've got Gumby. Hey, what's up? And I've got William Crashy. How'd you do? <laughs> How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Hanging in there. Awesome. Awesome. We are going to start the night with Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest is a brief moment of fall drinking beer. The world's biggest fest started in Munich, Germany in 1810 to celebrate the marriage of the Crown Prince of Bavaria to Princess Therese von Schachtenhilderbacher. <laughs> the party was... Sorry, Suits. I cannot pronounce that. <laughs> the party was so off the chain, it became an unusual 16-day event from mid-September to early October. It's a time to celebrate beer for beer's sake with food and friends to kick off cooler weather. It is an AB V of 5.3 and an IBU of 15. Cheers, fellas. Cheers. Cheers. Prost. <laughs> and right off the bat, that is ooh, an amber that gold. Oh, that is beautiful. Not much of a head on that. No, no. And I poured pretty well. But you poured it right. <laughs> That's right. That a boy. Right. Oh, but crisp. Tradition habit. <clears throat> I'm drinking out of the out of the bottle. It's good. It's crisp. Mm-hmm. Um, man, it's 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 just kind of refreshing. Um, I'm picking up. Hmm. Amber. Oh, it's definitely amber. <laughs> man, this one is is definitely it's it's slight complex but light and enjoyable and crisp and my lord. It almost tastes like if you made a maple leaf from October into a drink. Reminds me of uh, in Spanish, we have one called a Malta, but it's non-alcoholic. Oh, I like Malta. Yeah, okay, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's made by Goya. I drink a lot of Malta. It's kind of like that, but next level mm-hmm. with alcohol. It's crisp, it's not. it's not a... So some some Oktoberfests that I have are just really overpowering. They're, they're or they're too malty, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like oh, it's like a, but yeah, you're right. Like when you pour it there, you you know, you got nice uh, nice amber, deep amber color to it, and 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 it's got a good head, and uh, you can you know, never get enough good head. So <laughs> it's good. It's it's uh, I, I'm I'm not pinpointing any one thing. It's just really crisp, fresh October lager. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the best way to describe it. It's just a really good, crisp October lager. Now, I almost like it as much as Franklin's Castle's beer. Ooh. Now you're talking my language. Not to to take away from Samuel Adams. This is great. Samuel Adams is a... It's a classic. Really Mm -hmm. come to like, uh, you know, Franklin's Castle's. Yeah. Do you guys ever watch uh, uh, CBS Sunday Morning? Occasionally, yeah. So this this past week they 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 did a story. If you get a chance, go back and watch it in their archive on Samuel Adams and how we would not be the United States if it were not for him, because hmm. he really was the father of the American Revolution. And they say it's funny because now anyone says the name Samuel Adams, they just go their brain goes to this, and that's that's <laughs> like oh the bear guy, and it's right. like, well he's a little bit more than the bear guy. <laughs> Um, right. Yeah, there's like there's a lot more to him, and, and they're like, 
Like, and they, they're like, yeah, back in the day, they said, yeah, you didn't call him Sam. Yeah, they're like, that would have been an insult. It's like, like, oh, he's just another Sam. And it's like, yeah. So, no, that, well, you got a chance to watch it. Yeah, yeah it's, definitely. It's, uh, it's I, cool. Hats off to Samuel Adams, by the way, for being still to this day, even despite the, the mass distribution, mm-hmm. they are still an independent brewer. Yeah. Yeah. And that is phenomenal because, you know, most places will sell out to the big, you know, the big five, right? Um, well, now I think it's a big three. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, they are still in, uh, a member of the Independent Brewing Association and uh, have retained the quality of their beer. Um, still owned by the same, you know, the same family members. And mm-hmm. it's awesome. Good on you, fellas. <laughs> yeah. Well, good, sir. Um, let's see. According to this, you were born in Cleveland, Ohio in 1975 and raised in the neighboring suburb of Avon Lake. So I was. Yeah. Can you tell us a little more about yourself? <clears throat> yeah. For, it's been for since yeah. 2019. That was the last time you were on. It was literally right at the beginning of the pandemic. So maybe 2020. Yeah, yeah. It was right before... Right before the pandemic. Yeah, so let's see. What what has happened since I was on? Let's, let's see. Oh, the thousands of people have been killed. Because uh, yeah, I remember when you first came, there was this, uh, I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, well, what about social distancing? Because all of this was just starting to take oh, hold in our country. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we wear a mask. Is he going to wear a mask? Is he going to want sure us to wear a mask? We didn't even know if masks would work or what right, you would use. Right, right, right. Or, so that was the last time you were on. It was yeah, right at the start. So those are, yeah, right about the time that that steaming horse crap episode of uh 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 ghost adventures aired right around that time, <laughs> remember, right yeah that was a that was a that was an absolute dump um we go uphill yeah yeah well yeah and it did you know for a time we kind of petered out after a little while but um yeah so so yeah the last, yeah it's been god yeah going on two and a half years now almost three years so since then, let's see, uh, released uh, released a book called Lost Put in Bay. Came out uh, Memorial Day weekend this year. Uh, it's the first book that I had ever written that does not have any ghosts in it. <laughs> so all the mystery novels, everything else that I'd written has at least a ghost story in it or reference to it. This one does not. And I think my uh, readers are sorely disappointed. I don't know. Um, <laughs> We'll see what happens, but it's got some uh, real eye-opening uh, uh, notes to the grindstone research in there. So, so there's some star- startling finds. I'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, still at the castle, um, uh, still playing music when I can, and uh, working on a new book. I'll tell you a little bit about that down the line. So, by uh, what instrument do you play? Guitar. Uh, guitar. Yeah, twelve-string acoustic. So I did buy a new. I did, I did buy a new guitar about a year and a half ago. So what kind is that? Uh, Yamaha, Yamaha 12 string, and it's got the built in little uh, pickup amp and all that stuff in there. So awesome. I don't have to put a little Dean Markley over the hole anymore, which used to pop out or fall in the hole. And it's really embarrassing when you're trying to do that and you're playing along and also, <laughs> what happened? This, oh, sh- there it is. It's it in the hole, you know? It's, <laughs> yeah, so this one has its own pickup. It's got its own. I just plug it in and then it's I got the volume, the, uh, the treble and the bass EQ up here. And so yeah, the, the EQ, it's all up here. So it's great. So it's just. Yeah, plug and play. So it's I love it. It's 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 great, and it's and it, the action is really nice on it. Um, so that's that's uh, that's. I'd have known that we would have had you brought it here and just just played a little bit. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't even think about that. I played it a few weeks ago. I was a uh, uh, 
about a month ago, I was at a, with a band Clash of the Tartans. We were down at a Trustrail Brewing, uh, playing there halfway to St. Patrick's Day. Uh, we played there on St. Patrick's Day this year, and then uh, I played with a friend of mine, uh, Molly Ryan from Port Clinton, uh, last St. Patrick's Day in 2021. Um, so this is kind of like where we've been playing during the day. And then I do, of course, McGinney's Pub in Lakewood, uh, St. Patrick's Night. That's kind of a tradition going back to about 2012 or 2013, which every year he opened, I don't remember. Um, it was 2012. Nice. So, um, uh, yeah, so, I, yeah, and that's a great place, too. You guys you guys have been to Terrestrial, right? Mm-hmm. You have not been to Terrestrial Brewing Company. Oh, yes. Okay, 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 there's a, there's a road trip here in our future. I see this. <laughs> I see a road trip here in the next week or so. We're going to go down there. We're going to go hit Terrestrial. They got some really good beers. Prophet of God. You forced my hand. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm like, you guys are the beer guys. You guys you guys are the drink gods here. I'm like, ah. I'm like, okay, yeah, we'll have to, because we were even talking, we were talking about Collision Bend uh, before we, were, we yeah. came out of the air. And now that's a place that I haven't been. So we're going to have oh. to, we're going to have to do like a little. Now, uh, a couple of years ago, I got the uh, passport book and I had been holding on to it since uh, late uh, 2019, early 2020. We picked this thing up. And I had it sitting in my uh, in my car, and then I, I I got rid of that car a little about a year ago, and then I got this one that I have now. I have a HHR, and I was going when I was cleaning it out a year ago. I threw some stuff in there, and I was going through it, and I'm like, oh, hey, this is my uh, uh, Cleveland Brewery passport book. I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna go get it. I gotta finish this up because I got right right when the pandemic was about to start. And I walked in, and they're, they're like looking at me like like I've got like two heads, and like what the hell is that thing? And I'm like. No, it's this passport book, and you get it stamped, and somebody who'd been there for more than like a half a year comes on and says, "Oh, they they don't have it as a book anymore. It's just an app now, man. We don't we don't actually have the stamps anymore With for the that." Times. Like seriously, they're like, "Yeah, everything's an app. Nobody carries anything physically around with them, besides their phone and their wallet." Yeah, and no even at who that, it's write. a stretch. It's and I'm true. like, "What?" And they're like, "Yeah, because yeah, because oh, you got to pay over here go Venmo or oh, you need to see my driver's license. There it is. It's on my phone." And it's like, "Oh, that's it's funny because you know you leave something." at home that was attached to your home 25 years ago you got to turn around and go back to your home and get it and it's like yeah i mean well everything's on there so it's yeah, <laughs> funny how things if someone just said oh yeah oh, you left your phone at home like somebody told, told you that 25 years ago it's like hey, wh- wh- where the hell else are you gonna put it you know it's i'm gonna carry the cordless with me or something and drive down the road I'd... oh these days you leave your phone at home when you leave it's like you left a child yeah it is home. yeah it's, oh, it's, no. turn the car around <laughs> If I miss an email, oh, my phone at the bar, and then quick call, call, call it, call it, and then oh no, it's here, it's next well, to me. For, yeah. Right. For, for our listeners who don't know, because you said at the castle. Oh yeah. Oh, what is yeah, this oh, castle yeah, you yeah, speak oh, of? Oh, that's right. Okay, so yeah, I forgot. Oh yeah, you might have some new, this castle. Some new uh, listeners in the last couple of years. So okay, so a little bit about me. Um, okay, that's what that's what you asked me originally. I'm sorry. I guess I I got okay. side shot there. Uh, so yes, I was uh, raised in Avon Lake, and a wonderful little town it is. It's really it's a great place. Um, I uh, uh, I'm, not, I'm also the author of uh, three mystery novels, Jack Sullivan mysteries, and yes, I am getting back to those. I will. I promise you all, I will continue the series. It's been almost ten years since I released a Jack Sullivan book. Oh, it's gonna uh, be good. Yeah, a lot of people are pissed. Um, and I'm like, like, what happened? What happened? I'm like, well, you read the third book, right? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, well, that's what happened. And they're like, 
but what happened next? And I'm like, okay, I'm working on it. So it was my ex-wife um, that really encouraged me to get those published. So I self-published those. And then it was my ex-wife uh, who became my ex-wife and I lost my motivation <laughs> to write those because she was my muse. Uh, and I turned uh, my attention to uh, nonfiction, uh, which I kind of was doing while we were together. And she didn't like the, like I was spending so much time doing this research is kind of what led to the demise of me marriage. Um, so I, the first book that I released came out in 2015, uh, as far as nonfiction, Buried Beneath Cleveland, Lost Cemeteries of Cuyahoga County. Found over 50 cemeteries here in Cuyahoga County alone in the greater Cleveland area that nobody knew about. They have houses, gas stations, grocery stores, parking lots, all on top of them. Some of them are up in the woods, and you can go up there and you can find ruins. But those are you're a little hard pressed. Mostly they're underneath driveways and people's backyards for the most part. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So the publisher though intentionally asked me to keep uh, addresses of private residences out of the book, and I'm like, okay, I understand <laughs> that. But it does have GPS coordinates, so you can do that and type that in. You'll see where. Okay. Just if it's private property, don't go into their yard looking for uh, headstones. Probably not going to find any anyway. Uh, after that, I followed it up with a book called Lost Put, or I'm sorry, Haunted Putin Bay, um, which came out two years later, 2017. Uh, and I do lead a ghost walk up at Putin Bay that is based on that. It's called the Haunted Putin Bay Ghost Walk, a very accurate, if not too original name. Um, at the same time that I was writing that, I was writing another book. Now, this is the one that I'd started before all of this, and I was working on it with a fellow named John W. Myers. And for my part, when the book came out, it was 25 years of research because I started at 92. And then John joined up in 20, he started up in uh, 2005. So uh, we kind of pooled our resources and combined what we had. And we decided that we would write a book about this. And the subject was the Franklin Castle, regarded as the most haunted house in Ohio. Definitely the most uh, notorious haunted house in Ohio. So we uh, pitched it around a few times, and it got rejection after rejection after rejection. Ultimately, it got uh, picked up by one of the companies that uh, rejected it, and that's History Press, who I'm signed with now. Uh, but we had to cut out about forty to 45,000 words out of it, which was about half the content. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll just take out every other word. That's not actually what it did. <laughs> we, 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 uh, we whittled it down and we shortened some of the stories a little bit. And we said, okay, this is a little off topic. That's a little off topic. It's great. It makes for a great story, but it's not really relevant to what we really needed to tell. So we got it down to about 54,000 words, uh, which is a lot better than the 90-some thousand that we were sitting at. So that came out also in 2017. And when... I met the owners of the house uh, about a year and a half before that. Uh, yeah, about a year and a half, two years earlier. We got to talking and they invited me to take up residency as their resident historian because I'm like rain man of the Franklin Castle. Like I can, there's <laughs> nothing I, you could ask me that I probably wouldn't know about it. I'm just like a walking encyclopedia on the place. So, so we, well, we could really use someone with your knowledge here. So I moved in the following year. So it was really a little, it was really kind of surreal because finishing up the edits on the book, uh, I was sitting at a desk down in what had originally been, it's a glassed-in room on the second floor on the main floor of the house. It's original to the house from 1881, and it was Hannes Tiedemann's home office. This is where the man worked. So it's a book about the man in his house 
being written in his office in his house. So I'm like, just kind of like, this is really something else. Mm. And yes, I have had a lot of paranormal experiences in that house, even while I was sitting at that desk writing, wrapping up the edits for the book. Uh, so yes, I'm still there. It's been six years now since I've uh, since I moved in. So if um, we've had uh, in the time that I've been there, we've had three uh, three television series come in. Uh, I was on one of them. I'm kind of wishing now that I wasn't. Um, it's a uh, it's it's a show that uh, gets very adventurous with ghosts. I'll let you guys figure out which one that is. Um, <laughs> got enough to say on that. Uh, the other two were uh, Holzer Files and Paranormal Lockdown. And while I did help out with uh, with them, and they were there, I was I was not on screen on those ones. Um, but uh, yeah, after that, uh, yeah, 20, uh, 2019, So two years later, after. Haunted Franklin Castle came out. I released Ghosts and Legends of Northern Ohio, and that's what I was on. I think talking about the last time uh, that uh, that I was on here, uh, which was also the first time that I was on here. So, um, so that that explores a lot of the big urban legends from, as the story says, Northern Ohio, so Pennsylvania to Indiana, Michigan, and the lake to about Route 30 corridor thereabout. So in that little area, everything from your crybaby bridges to witches' graves, haunted cemeteries, railroad ghosts. And of course, the big legends of the uh, Helltown. <laughs> I start off with that one. Very much. And I end with Gore Orphanage. I did have a entire chapter on Rogue's Hollow that I had to pull out because I was over my word count. Mm. So unfortunately, I had to deep six that chapter and one on the Kirtland witch grave story. I had to take that one out also, which was unfortunate, but there, there was really not much more that I could add to that story. Uh, and Rogue's Hollow will be in, a, I will be writing on it in a book, not my next one, but the one after that, that I'm still working. I'm hoping to have that out in late winter, early spring of 2024, that other one that will have Rogue's Hollow in it. So, okay. Yeah. I'm assuming you go to the locations too, right? Oh, yeah. So you've been to Helltown. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, um, and Helltown is, um, and that's the thing. And, and oh yeah. And especially, oh gosh, uh, Randy Bergdorf over at the uh, Peninsula Historical Society. He hates it every time I open my mouth and the word Helltown comes out of it or anyone else for that matter, because, and he's absolutely right because Helltown doesn't exist. It's not a real thing and it's not a real place. Uh, and I got a lot of flack. Hey, it's from, real on YouTube. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know. And it's real on that show on destination America, mm -hmm. which is, I love that one. It's like the guy that sits there that, that, that leads in, he's the expert they go to. He's the, uh, he's the professor of, urban lore and studies at Cuyahoga Community College. Your first clue that it's a fake, the guy can't pronounce the name of the county properly. <laughs> I mean, okay, it's debated as a Cuyahoga, Cuyahoga. Okay, but when you say Cuyahoga or something, like, yeah, it's like, no, that's not even close, man. Oh, and also, if uh, you watch that, if you watched a program that aired about a year or two earlier, you'd see that he's not an expert on urban legends in Cuyahoga County, wherever the hell that is. He's an expert on mermaids because they had a show on Destination America, Mermaids, The Evidence Revealed, and he was the expert on mermaids from that as an actor. So, um, so yeah, uh, yeah. Helltown was started, uh, this, start, this started in the 90s uh, when, well, mostly uh, little teenage kids are driving around, bored out of their head, and they find themselves out in the country, and they see this big fence around this one big area, and they these buildings are all kind of fenced off, and there's signs up that say, government property, no trespassing. 
And that's when the stories start to circulate. The government's testing down here. They're doing testing, experimentation. And then they find out, oh, there's a toxic waste dump nearby. And they're like, oh, and there's this bus in the woods where these kids got murdered by a madman. And, oh, there's a church over there, and it's got an upside-down cross on the front, and it's a satanic cult that meets there. And there's, oh, geez, there's a road that's closed, and it's a road to hell. And if you go down there, your soul will be dragged down to hell and watch out for the ghostly herd and all these horrible things and hardly any of that is true um the the area that was fenced off and i kind of remember this um that ended up becoming the uh it was it was near the company town of jate where the jate paper mill sat on the east side of the river and there is a little train stop there it says jate it was originally it was a, it was a town of vaughn is what it was uh but the jate paper mill was there and they also had their company town so uh federal government had taken over what had been the company town and they were fixing these buildings up and that's now the administrative offices and dwellings for uh the uh park for the park down there for Cuyahoga Valley National Park uh at the time it was still a national uh recreation area but that's where some of the rangers live and that's where the administrative buildings are and the old company store and all that so they saw that and they started freaking out the story about the murder bus there was a bus in the woods some guy was living in it while he was fixing up his house there were no kids that were massacred in that thing there um, was someone that used to drive their hearse around, uh, and that started the story of the ghostly hearse. Uh, there is a church, and it does look like on the front, and, it, and it's in Peninsula. It looks like it has a upside-down cross on it, but if you look at it, there's a perfectly upright cross right above it on the top. It's just an architectural detail on uh, Mother Osaro's church. Um, and then there is a road that is closed, and it's Stanford Road. And it is blocked off, and that's you always see the sign says road closed. You probably saw that online. Yep. Yeah, okay. So that's that's Stanford Road. Um, and it does go back and that gate does open because the park service does have some uh facilities back there. But when you get around the bend and you're heading down that what had been the road heading towards uh Brandywine Falls, uh Randy Bergdorf told me that this uh that they stopped maintenance on it because there were no houses on it. It was really an unnecessary road, so they stopped salting it, stopped plowing it, stopped uh, paving it. If you walk back down there during the summer, don't do it on a really hot day because uh, the last thing they, they, they did to preserve the road was they dumped tar all over it, okay? <laughs> so when you're walking along and it's 90 degrees and it's midday, you're going to start... <laughs> and you're going to look down at yours and you're 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 putting new impressions into the tar you're walking in tar and you're going to be tracking that into your car don't do it oh. uh, i would say walk in the evening or in the morning but not not in the don't don't go in the heat of the day and then as you get closer to brandywine falls i could see kind of why they call it the road to hell because the, uh, the road is kind of chasmed a bit and there are these four to five foot drops in the middle of the road i mean i'm like well it's where it washed out and it's like oh that's a mess so don't walk it at night, okay? Because you, you could fall in that and probably break your leg. Um, and But the story, the one story that is true is that there really was a toxic waste dump there. Oh. Yeah, called the Krejci Dump. No, I'm not related to them. I got to tell everybody that. They're like, <laughs> so I got people like, are you from Peninsula or Boston Township? And I look at them, I'm like, are you asking me if I'm related to the largest polluter in Ohio history? And they're like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm not related. But it's such an uncommon name. It is yeah. very it, You'd be surprised. It actually is common. It, it just means oh. Taylor and Bohemian and Czech. So it's well, that's all it is. So I'm um, also Czech. Yeah. There. Well, there you go. Yeah. That. Yes, you are. Yes. That's right. Yeah. That's a that's a Czech name also. Um, 
So, yeah, it just means Taylor. So uh, that was the John Krejci family that lived out there. And when he and what he was doing was he was repurposing a lot of stuff and recycling a lot of materials and storing things. And the materials that he was storing at the time in the 1930s and 40s and 50s were not deemed as hazardous materials at the time. So it wasn't until later that a lot of these benzenes were deemed yeah, hazardous. So what he was taking in, it was perfectly legal for him to do. So, but yeah, there was some leakage and it became a super fun site. So the federal government stepped in. And it is part of Cuyahoga Valley National Park, and they did clean it up, and now it's cleaned, as of I think I want to say around around 2015. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, exactly, sure. So, but yeah, Helltown doesn't. So that's just the name the kids gave it. So there is no actual physical geological Helltown. There was a Helltown in the 1800s, and that was a little closer to Mohican, uh, mm. down near Loudonville and all that. So there was a, um, I want to say it's like on, uh, I want to. Um, so there, so there was a little town there though that was called Helltown. Okay. Totally different. So, mm. um, yeah. So this so we do go after Helltown, and then of course go into the Gore Orphanage legend is another big one. But yeah, everyone loves a Helltown story, and it's like uh, I have to tell people that um, there's one. They're like, oh, it's a slaughterhouse that was later used as a as a funeral parlor. No, it wasn't. It was just it was it was like employee housing for a farm. It was where the hands lived, and the original story said something to the effect like. Like if you stand there, you will see heads floating, uh, or if you if you're in there, you'll see you'll see heads or something. And then it later said, if you go and you put your face against it against the glass, you'll see the heads floating. Now it's if you go up and you put your face against the glass, you're going to see the police because it's an occupied house and you're going to be arrested for menacing somebody's. <laughs> so don't do that either, folks. Yeah. That's just bad. Um, no, that that book really did piss off a lot of people. Um, because I, I really did. I, I feel bad for, kind of, but not really. I squashed a lot of people's favorite urban legends. Mm. Um, but they these were kind of coming at a, at a cost, though. Uh, a great example is the witch's grave, okay? Any, pretty much any time that a grave picks up the reputation of being a quote-unquote witch's grave, that headstone's days are numbered, okay? Yeah. I mean... Um, Go look at the one out in, uh, for the Smith family out in uh, uh, Kirtland, which has just recently been moved to, I want to say, one of the churches there. The Historical Society had it. Now it's over at the church, so it's outside again. Okay. Um, so you can go and view that. Uh, and it was smashed to pieces. So somebody has kind of preserved it a bit, and they have it out. Uh, there's the, quote-unquote, the one that they call the German Witch's Grave, and that's out in, um, uh, near... Um, um, Columbiana County, somewhere getting out towards Warren and that area. Um, and again, like I went out there with a couple friends and we took pictures and we talked to the guy that owned the property. He said, yeah, it's my great, great grandparents. And he's like, yeah, well, I'm sick of people vandalizing it. He's like, they're just my ancestors and they're in a little wooded patch away from the road. It's just a family burial spot. Please stop going back there. I guess not long after we were there, somebody stole another headstone from oh. there. So Ouch. So that's so. So that's part of the reason why doing this. I'm explaining these people aren't witches. In most cases, they were Lutherans um, or Catholics, which is almost as bad. Um, <laughs> I could get away with saying that I was raised Catholic, or actually, ding, ding. I was forced Catholic. Okay. Uh, yeah. Catholic. So there you go. So you know where I'm coming. Um, so one guy really went ballistic, and if you go to if you go to Amazon and you read the reviews, you're going to see one that this guy actually like tore into me on and. Oh, you just you destroyed my favorite, my favorite urban legend. That's my favorite story. And I'm like, well, God, he's like, 
He's like, would, would you just out to debunk stuff? And I'm thinking, I'm like, I hope to God he doesn't read the rest of the book. He's really going to be pissed off. It's like, dude, next time I want you to read the back of the book. It even says some legends will be debunked. Sorry. There you go. There you have it. And then he's sitting there. He's like, yeah, well, that story and this story, those are those are those are the same. Those aren't the same thing. And I'm like, yeah, it says right there. It's the same legend. It was started by Columbia Garen, this lady that she created this Bowman Cemetery witch story um, and jumped off of a pre-existing uh, legend. Prior to that, there was no Bowman Cemetery witch. And when you go to Bowman Cemetery out that way, it's an absolute eyesore. I mean, stones are knocked over. There are candles melted on half of the headstones and there are baby dolls with no heads on them like scattered about the graveyard it's like there's people buried here this, this is somebody's family you know it's like why would you do that and it's because these people are just absolute idiots um and they're fanatical about that sort of thing and it's like jesus man just let people rest in peace right so i kind of felt you know it was important to you know, clear up that. No, I'm not gonna. That's this is there's a there's an important thing that I gotta say here. Is in all of this, I I debunked the backstory. I debunked the legend, and I showed them where the legend came from. Now that doesn't mean that the place in question isn't haunted, because if there's one thing I cannot do, and will not do, is debunk a haunting. You can no more debunk a haunting than you can prove a haunting. I mean, you can sit there and you can mm. collect all the evidence or evidence that you think you have. And I've got a photo of this person walking around, or I've got video of this image that appears and then vanishes. And then I've got this weird light that shows up and I've got an audio recording of a voice saying, help me when there was nobody there. And you can submit that as evidence, but is it evidence really? I mean, it's not, Proof it's not like the spirit sat down in the chair across from you and introduced themselves and and said, okay, let me uh, sit here and let me do this on stage and I'm going to tell it just to prove that we really exist. Right. There's maybe your evidence. But even at that, I'm sure somebody would say, no, it's fake. And I'm sure there's a way they made it fake. <laughs> um, but I can do that any more than I can debunk a haunting because, and I hate that when some shows come in and most of them are only there for about three days filming and three nights and that that's really about it. Uh, some I've seen a couple that have been there for about four, but that's about all they really want to do is they're, they're only going to pay for about three days of filming. Yeah. And then they're moving on to their next you know, project. Uh, so watching this, it's like, okay, well, nothing happened in the days that you were there. And I, I really hate this when I see a, a show come in and say, well, you know, we were here for a while and nothing happened. So we really don't think your house is haunted. And it's like, you were there for three days. Mm -hmm. What the hell you call that? So, so living where I live, okay, which is supposed to be the most haunted house in Ohio. And I always wonder where did they come up with, what, what scale are they using? Like, are they using like that chart from the beginning of Dead Poets Society that, where they talk about what makes a good poem a good poem? Is it good and high, high uh, rhyming ability, but and good in meter, then it scores high over here. But so I was like, well, it's really intense and it happens frequently. So it scores really high and it makes it, I'm trying to figure where that. Tear that page out of your book, just like Robin Williams said. Tear it out. Tear it out. Throw it away. Um, honestly, things will happen there uh, as frequently as every five minutes. Mm. Mm. And as infrequently as every five weeks. Mm. So it's all over the place. We get times where things are, the house suddenly gets very active. 
And I have no idea what, what triggers it. And then we have, uh, we have sometimes when the house is just completely nothing, nothing going on at all. Uh, and that'll happen for a few weeks. Uh, I won't witness anything. I won't see anything. Uh, no lights are, uh, are flickering. No lights are turning off. No lights are turning on. My TV isn't turning off. Uh, I'm not hearing footsteps. I'm not hearing talking. No doors are slamming. We'll have a lull for a few weeks. And so if I walk into a house and I'm staying there for a week and nothing happens to me, I'm not going to walk away saying, hey, it's not haunted. I didn't have anything happen to me. Um, somebody posted a... Uh, Oh God, earlier yesterday, one of the Facebook groups that I'm a part of uh, shared a story that was written earlier, I guess, in the day um, about the Franklin Castle. And they just regurgitated the same horse crap about Honest Tiedemann murdering children and driving his wife to suicide. All these really horrible things about the guy. And I'm like, this is ter I'm just reading it. I'm like, this is terrible. And then, but then I'm reading the comments below it. And someone's like, I was bad. I was in there in the late, uh, late 1980s and I walked around for a couple hours and it's not haunted. Nothing happened to me. And I'm like, wow, because you spent so much time in the house. Yeah, that two hours because you walk into a house and the first thing they do is they jump out at you. That's yeah, because that's that's what happens, right? Oh, yeah. you know, haunted well, house. I saw that one videos, obviously. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The one. Yeah, I saw. I'm like, oh, God, you got to be kidding me. Oh, that was <laughs> hilarious. Um. <laughs> it, yeah. it is interesting because what you know like you said what makes it happen and then what turns it off yeah. or is it even cyclical yeah or is it something the people themselves bring in from the inside you know what i mean whatever wherever they might be at personally i i don't know like what what triggers something well, like that all right we're gonna take a quick brief moment here from our sponsors while we go grab the next beer have you ever wanted to train Muay Thai? Perhaps there's no gyms near you. Perhaps you work odd hours. Perhaps, like a few of us, you don't like germs. Whichever way it goes, you can train online with some of the best instructors from around the country, either live or in class with other students. Living Muay Thai gives you the chance to do all of this and much more. So jump into live classes and on demand right now. LivingMuayThai.com Hey, it's Gumby here from Bible Over Brews. Are you looking to get some editing done in your podcast? Maybe you don't have the hours or time it takes to edit your content, but you still need to get it done. Maybe you need a customized track or a song for your podcast or your next project without having to worry about copyright issues. Well, look no further than SoulWorkMusic.com where this footwork is done for you. I'll get that editing post-production work done right for you or create you that customized song that fits your project or podcast to help support your life's work. If this sounds like what you need, reach out to me at soulworkmusic.com. Again, at soulworkmusic.com. And remember, there's nothing taboo over brew. I don't know what would trigger... Or turns it on or turns it off, or if it just happens randomly, I, I don't know. But I do know this. We did have, okay, we have a, we have a few rules in the house. Things mm -hmm. that we just ask if anyone's coming over. We have rules and regulations. We have some to kind of stick to, like, don't be a jerk off is one of them. That's not actually one of them. That's just kind of a given. Please don't <laughs> act like a jerk off. But things like um, 
the windows. Please don't open the windows and go out on the balconies uh, if you're going to be a guest or if you're visiting. Um, please no running through the halls. Don't bring weapons onto the property. No smoking inside. Uh, no drug abuse. Yeah, 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 things like that. But we also say no uh, sage burning, no table tipping, no crossing over, no seances, no uh, uh, Ouija boards. Uh, yeah. So... Somebody wanted to come over at one time and had asked about uh, doing like a, like a wanted to come in and do a paranormal investigation. And I told him, I'm like, well, we're not, it's a private residence, you know, it's not open to the public. Uh, we were going to, you know, make an exception with the, and he, 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 I told him what our rules and regulations were. He says, nope, I can't do it. Like, really? You can't do it. I thought, because we also had a, please do not, uh, you know, you're not allowed to broadcast from inside the. It's, it's a private residence, you know, we're like, we don't respect, please respect our privacy of our, our tenants. Uh, but people want to come in, they want to do like a YouTube live while I'm live from inside the Franklin Castle. Here I am. And oh my God, I'm walking through that. So that's what these guys want to do. And I tell them we don't allow that. They're like, well, we're not coming because they just want to do it just so they can just, you know, make a name for themselves for the exactly. Yep. So this guy said, no, well, no, it's a, uh, it's, it's the no smudging. Like, really? Yeah, no no sage, no smudging. I, we put in there, no smudging. He's like, I'm like, that's really, that's an issue for you. He's like, I have to use, uh, I have to use, an, uh, I have to burn uh, sage wherever I go. And I'm like, oh, that 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 is interesting. He's like, well, my soul is constantly under attack from demons. And I'm like, and you want to come over our house? You're going to bring that with you? I said, no, 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 no. I'm like, and, and, you, and you're a paranormal investigator and your soul is under a constant attack from demons? Hey, man, you might want to consider another profession. I don't think you don't see a connection for, for you. Maybe <laughs> you might want to think of another line of work, maybe something. Forrester. Yeah, some, something a little, you know, a little less. Uh, yeah, yeah, not yeah, do something with puppies, I think. Puppies are good. <laughs> demons don't like puppies, I think. I don't know. Flower. Yeah, flowers. That's a good idea. And I had to explain to him that, no, uh, if you burn um, if you burn sage in the house, it sets off the smoke detector and uh, that notifies our uh, security company and they call the fire department automatically. So I said, you can't. Well, I'm not coming over, man. I'm like, well, you're not coming over. That's good. Uh, we did have a TV show come over, though. And what did they do up in the uh, ballroom? Bust out a Ouija board. Oh, of course. Yeah. After he said that, and they had a seance. Uh, did they? Well, they're doing that, and all of a sudden, well, they're using the Ouija board, and they're trying to clear What happens? You get an image of a person appearing over here to the left, and it's like, okay. And then they left. <laughs> And I wasn't there for afterwards, but my downstairs neighbor was pissed. He's like, dude, after that group left, I don't know what they did. We didn't know that they did this yet. We didn't, oh. we didn't see any of this until they until they aired the episode sometime later. We saw he's like, he's like, man, I don't know what they did, but man, there's, the house is loud. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, it's loud. He's like, he's like, I'm hearing all kinds. And he was the only one that was living there at the time. And he's like, man, he's like, I'm freaked out in this place. He's like, I'm thinking about moving out. He's like, this is, he's like, it, it's, it's just banging. There's people running around. I get, I, I go up and check it out and there's like nobody there. He's like, nah, he's like, that. he's like, F this place. He's like, I'm just kind of, um, and, and that's the other thing is the house draws weirdos sometimes too. So, 
Uh, so you get, you get all, something. Well, 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 no, I mean, the house just draws weird people anyway. I mean, it's just, you get strangers. I had some stranger try to come in and do a blessing and he's like, oh, it's okay. I'm a minister. And I'm like, no, that's, that's okay. We don't, he's like, can I come in? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm working right now. I can't, I can't entertain total strangers at this time. Bless it from the sidewalk. Well, you got to stay up on these things, man. All the murders in the house. I'm like, there have never been any murders in this house. Oh, well, that's what I read online, and I'm like, oh, and you believe it? Okay, you're one of those. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. there, well, there, that there was a skeleton found in the wall. That is true. In January of '75, they did find a partial human skeleton hidden in the wall. How it ended there, um, I've heard a few different stories, and I've heard a few different suggestions. So at this point, I can't say 100% for sure. Which <laughs> I have an idea. Alpha. Uh, yeah, well, if it was, well, no, because when did Hoffa go missing? I don't know. I was just, this was 70. I'm trying to think because I, they, they said these were old bones, not Hoffa, but that would be interesting if Hoffa was under the castle. It does have a concrete floor now oh, on the first floor? Hey, yeah, prohibition era. yeah, prohibition era. They did find a hillbilly still in there, one of those, uh, they, they found a prohibition era still in a hidden room in the house. They discovered it in the 1960s. I remember you talking about that last yeah. time. Yeah. There's a there's a great picture. Uh, appears in the book. And if I remember right, it's Sam Muscatello, and he's pulling down a panel that's in the first floor level, and he's pointing, and he's showing you where it was found, along with a giant poster of Karl Marx and a big poster of Lenin, and the largest collection of German socialist literature in the United States. So... Then well, then there's that. Yeah, so. Just for an archive or something. Yeah, no, it, it, it is a great house. So it's um, it's a beautiful house. The owners have done a wonderful job in the restoration. Uh, they have a, a Amish family working. It's a company called Cherokee Construction. They've done some fantastic work. These guys are master wood craftsmen. I mean, these guys really, generations and generations of Amish know-how passed down. Uh, and it shows. It's reflected in their work. Yeah, everything they've done is fantastic. So that's awesome. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there's a reason, a real reason, why you ask people not to do any kind of. Yeah, it, it's like yeah. We don't want to. Yeah, we don't want to piss off whatever might be there. Um, it, it's almost as if it's disrespecting. Like they feel disrespected. Yeah. Well, people also ask me like, "Oh my God, you live there? Do you ever like paranormal? Like do like any paranormal investigating there?" And I'm like, "No." God, no. I'm like, I live here. No, I don't want to. No, I don't want to do that here because one, I, I, I kind of don't want to know. And then two, I'm not a paranormal investigator. I, I write about the paranormal, but I'm not a I'm not a ghost hunter. And three, I don't want to piss off whatever might be there. Uh, we, we did have a group um, uh, that came in at one time and some friends of mine that came in. And I kind of like let them do their thing. And, and after they left, um. I remember I'm trying to, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a couple of my friends and their friends that came over and, uh, uh, I talked to them the following Monday and they're telling me about, uh, well, we didn't get too much and we, we picked up. I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, you know, maybe, maybe I'll have you guys over again. You know, you guys can, they're like, I'm like, you know, what's funny though. I'm like, after you guys left though, I started hearing all this. <laughs> And I'm like, the hell? I thought I thought I thought when you guys left something, it was banging at the door. So I went downstairs. And I'm like, wait a minute, the gate's locked. How the hell? Unless you forced your way in through the gate at the end of the driveway. And I go and open the door. There's nobody there. And I'm down there, and I start hearing, and I realize it's coming from upstairs. Mm. So I go upstairs, and I'm standing, 
on my level right outside my apartment I hear and it's coming from up in the ballroom and I go up in the ballroom and I stand in there and I hear and it's downstairs now I'm like okay I'm just going to bed on this so you I win um, so I told them about this I was <laughs> knocking that after they left and like oh my god really and I said yeah and they're like well because the entire time we were there were like if you're here can you make a knocking sound and we wouldn't hear anything I'm like are you serious and they said yeah and I'm like, well, yeah, well, after you left, they, they made sure that they waited until you left. And like, oh, hey, you want to bring people over that want us to knock? Here's your knocking. Yeah, you want a knocking sound? Yeah. Yeah, here, good luck going to bed now. Yeah, have fun watching Kolchak the Night Stalker. We're going to keep knocking all night. Yeah, it's... That'll teach you for yeah. bringing them over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so yeah. I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. So, <laughs> so I don't want to yeah, piss off anyone or anything that might be in the house. Um, so that, that is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now do you keep i don't know if you can or if there's rules against it but do you keep like cameras in the house so that people don't break any rules or mm. things like that or that's a great question um not not a well i won't go into the extent of the detail of the security of the house there is video surveillance okay um where it's pointing I'm not going to go into all the place obviously not like in my bathroom i don't have a camera set up yeah, it's yeah, weird because yeah. like friends come over and they got to pee or something that's just kind of strange um uh but we do have um uh, you can see some from outside uh we have some going around the house so the whole house is secure uh so if porch pirates come by um well we got them so yeah we did and we did um so yeah that's uh yeah so the uh exterior is very very well um monitored uh there was a carjacking a couple of years ago um and i remember the uh, police came by afterwards to see the footage and i think that might have helped them so it was broad daylight too oh wow so yeah that, yeah it was it was nobody yeah that yeah they weren't from anywhere near it really is a safe neighborhood it was just it was random so mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't we don't have a it's not a violent neighborhood so you haven't had anything uh, from it. covers off or anything all the night oh <laughs> you know that's funny because my bedroom is a bedroom that that supposedly happened in that okay. story yeah so my bedroom is what had been louise tiedemann's bedroom uh as i understand it it is the bedroom on the third floor that was occupied by the two brothers that lived there briefly during the 60s as i understand it this was a room that was occupied by the son and the daughter-in-law of a doctor that um owned the house and they also reported uh blankets being pulled from them as well uh so i i you know i more than anything i i I tend to crash out on the couch um not because i'm afraid of the bedroom Uh, in fact it's a very comfortable bed um but i get um i have trouble sleeping sometimes so insomnia so i find the best thing for it is to put on something that's either something i really want to watch like on nova or something like that or um not exactly a movie I'll, i'll get too into a movie but or something that i've seen like uh like at least a dozen times like uh extraordinary tales the animated edgar Allan poe thing like and I'm halfway through Bella Lugosi narrating the telltale heart and I'm out. I mean, I'm and I and I wake up and it's eight o'clock now the next morning and I'm refreshed and I'm just so I just I crash on the couch. Sometimes I mean, I'll wake up and I'll go crawl into my room, you know, in the middle of the night and I'll sleep out. That is a really comfortable bed. Um, 
that room was a uh, what was historically also called the cold room mm. and for some reason if you keep the doors closed and uh the, and and the and the uh, it's you know spring or fall or something in the the boiler isn't running because right now there's two radiators in there. So during the winter, it's hot as balls in that room. Um, uh, it's about 10 degrees colder than the rest of the house. Okay. We don't know why. We cannot figure that out to save our lives. But for some reason, that room, and only that room, hmm. is colder. I, I, uh, I have a copy of the tour book that you would get when you went on the tour back in the uh, mid-1970s. A uh, fella uh, traded me a copy of well, it was it was his dad's copy of the book and his dad's bumper sticker. It says I've been to the Franklin Castle and it's also from '74 and it's so it's it's sitting on my shelf right now. Um, I traded that to the fella for a autographed copy of Haunted Franklin Castle, <laughs> and and I already I was already familiar with it because I had I had read through it because a. Uh, lady who had written two articles on the Franklin Castle. Uh, she was a, a, a freelance uh, writer. Um, she had uh, rewritten that for uh, the three fellows that owned the house at the time. So um, I hate this. I'm, I'm drawing a blank um, on her name right now and it's uh i could see i because we even included her in the book uh, oh, her, uh yeah her her daughter i remember her daughter's name rachel caesar she uh, let me uh, borrow her uh, mom's uh notes but i'm drawing a blank right now on the name i'm just kind of i'm space cadet tonight so not a problem yeah. samuel adams fault it is i blame you samuel adams damn you father of the revolution <laughs> um yeah, I'll remember her name in a bit, but yeah, she had rewritten, so I'd already read her notes, because her daughter, Rachel, had photocopied all of her mom's uh, notes for me, um, So and it was in there, so it was her revisions to it, because she had done extensive research on the house, so uh, so I ended up with this, but it's great, because it describes that room as the cold room, and it's kind of like, I am sleeping in the cold room, <laughs> which is, really, it's regarded as the most haunted house in the room, or most haunted room in the house. Oh. Um so my bedroom is the most haunted room in the most haunted house in Ohio. <laughs> so it's kind of and that's why I sleep on a couch. <laughs> yeah, there we go. And uh, that's where the satanic I, sacrifice was. That's exactly where the satanic sacrifice was. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, yeah, you're gonna edit. So I'm gonna, gonna edit. So that's where the say. So he says that's where it's kind of like that show about adventurous ghost people that uh, cut things down so that I'm saying something that didn't quite say what I said, and yeah. <laughs> We're just trying uh, to cut out all of yeah. the extra stuff. Yeah, there. Yeah, they, that's oh, that's what I was told. Yeah, oh, yeah we're just uh, trimming the fat. That's not what I said. <laughs> so, so anytime I sit for an interview, I make it a point to. Where were the bones found? Then the bones were found on the floor that I live on. Actually, really, just beyond where uh, my kitchen ends, and the uh, front suite on the uh, third floor begins. So there was a wall there, and uh, at the time, Sam Muscatello, who uh, was one of the three owners of the house. He was knocking through this wall to uh, expand the room, and he went in there with a flat, and he looked in there, he saw this is a bit of a void in here, and he looked in there, and on the floor were partial pelvis and two femurs. <laughs> well, where's the rest of the person? Like, what happened to the rest of the body? So that raises some questions there in itself. 
I've heard, I've heard a few stories. This was what year now that was? January of 1975. I was not even a glint in my parents' eyes. Actually, you know, I was about I was about the size of a head of a uh, pen at the time. I was, I was about the time I was conceived, or maybe a pea by that point. I don't know. I was born that September, so. <laughs> but I'm assuming it's 1975, they find bones, and, you know, there had to be some kind of investigation mm-hmm. to the bones. Or... Did they ever carbon date them? And they weren't doing that. Um, Dr. Lester Adelson was the uh, medical examiner at the time, County Corner. Uh, looked at him, uh, determined that if it was a, they couldn't, he really couldn't even determine gender. He said it was a man. I believe he said that he would have been about 67 inches tall if it was a woman, a little shorter, about 64 to 65 inches. Uh, he said they were brittle to the touch. They were very old bones. Mm. Um, that's really all that he could get from. I believe that the bones were then gathered, placed into a small box, and they were interred at the potter's field out uh, near um, the, big, uh, the big cemetery out on the east side in a Warrensville township. Um, yeah, so there is a potter's field out there, and that's actually that's where most of the victims of the Cleveland Torso Killer are laid to rest. And there's, uh, there's no headstones for these people, but of course they know where they are because they have to dig them up and do a post-mortem again or something like that. And there is a monument there for everybody, pretty much. Um, Highland Park Cemetery. It's out on the east side of Highland Park Cemetery. I think it's. Uh, I think you can get to it from, like, Richmond Road or something like that. But it's not really marked. But that's where those bones ended up. Um, so I did read the coroner's so, case file. That's I didn't get to see photos of it, though. Uh, and I don't know if they had those in there or not. Um, so what could we imply from that? Somebody, Somebody was... suggested that they were planted, uh, but I do have it on the highest authority directly from people who were there. Sam Muscatello did not plant those bones. And that's a fact. I mean, he was freaked out. He called the police. He made the report. If he planted the bones, why would he do that? Yeah, yeah. Because then he would just be throwing himself under the bus. No, uh, the lady that was there that was with him, um, she swore testimony to she said i'll swear on a stack of bibles he did not plan them because he was not only was he freaked but he was pissed that these were here because then he had to stop what he was doing and i mean he was really he was he was he was angry that these were in the wall so wow. this is not a man that planted them so sam muscatello did not plant those bones. so the possibility could be a murder well buried or somebody no. was we the wall behind them? think that it's possible that they might have still been planted, okay. but not by him. Okay. So we think somebody was hiding something. Well, if we think, um, it's 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 hard to say, but we do know this is that a partial pelvis and two femurs were found in the house. That's really all we know. Gotcha. And then. Everything we know the speculation. Yeah, because I, I did hear a couple stories uh, beyond that, but they conflict with each other. So it's hard to say which is which. Um, so we're kind of right now, we're just kind of leaving it at there were bones found here. This is where they were found. This is what they were. We're we're I, I don't want to speculate beyond that, because if I do, then I'm impl- uh, impl- I'm implying grave robbing on somebody's part. and That person is still alive. So. Oh, um, so I don't want to. Yeah, so that's one of the things I'm going to kind of 
Mm. We're gonna go around that one. So I don't, cause I, cause really I don't know. Somebody did tell me a story, but I don't want to. I don't. That's that's not a road that I want to go down because then there could be legal ramifications. I had so. to bring up the one thing, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I don't mind telling anybody about it. It's great because it's this fantastic story that these human bones were found in the house. Yeah. So there was once a personal human skeleton there. We had a, long it was there, we don't know. So a legend and lore of that right here in Old Brooklyn at Wexler's Tavern. Yeah. Oh really? I know. I, I know Wexler's. I haven't been there in. I don't even know years. if they're Wexlers anymore. It's now Bar 17. Oh, is it? It's yeah. not It's not Wexlers I mean, anymore, is it? Yeah, no. You could uh, just Google it. It's my little buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and, order. yeah, apparently some kind of bones are found in the basement. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. You know, and you know, you know what's really funny is when, when you find... And this is this is great. Um, this is actually... This is a really good lead into uh, the new book. Um so okay so I'll, I'll tell you guys i gotta so i do have a surprise and uh i made an announcement about it last night i was giving a presentation on franklin castle out in rocky river and i said okay folks and i will have a surprise for you and the surprise was i do have a new book coming out so uh, a lot of people are like well you're gonna tell a new ghost story no it's not a jack sullivan mystery although i am working on those and i'm developing another series too um the new book i just signed the contract on it about two weeks ago uh, it's uh, going to be stories from Cleveland's haunted past that more than likely you've never heard because these are stories that have not been written on since they first occurred over a hundred years ago. Most recent that I'm touching on, Ooh. 1915, the oldest, 1840. Wow. And at 1840... That makes this Cleveland's first reported haunted house. Mm. And so readers will finally get that story. Like, that's really the first one. Uh, there are going to be a few familiar places. Uh, like, one of them is Erie Street Cemetery. Now, that's the one that's over down by the ballpark. I think everybody has been through that one. Oh, yeah. uh, so if you've been through there and you've ever been down there with, uh, with any of the ghost groups, the ghost tours that go through there, um, Haunted Cleveland Tours, they, they used to stop there. I, I don't know if Chuck and Beth do anymore. Um, but it was always a fun stop because they would talk about Jack Osat, uh, the sock chief who was buried there. Jack Osat, the walking bear. He died in the 1840s. Uh, he was a member of the uh, sock tribe, although we, it says sock chief on his headstone, but we don't believe he was a chief. He, he wasn't, uh, wasn't old enough. Uh, he was, I think, in his 30s when he died, so he wasn't, wasn't chief. Um but he was a uh, he was a sock warrior and he fought in the uh, Black Hawk Wars, mm. uh, and he was uh, on his way back from uh, London. He actually it was it was in London uh, on a tour, and on his way back home, he stayed with friends in Cleveland. He got sick and he died. And they buried him in Cleveland, and they say that and his headstone is still over at Erie Street Cemetery. And it's lying flat on the ground. It's broken up into a number of pieces. And they say that Jack was sought that he haunts the cemetery. And he's angry that he's not with his people. And it was uh, said that if you go there, uh, buried next to him is Chief Thunderwater. Now, Chief Thunderwater was a uh, Native American fellow who lived here in Cleveland. I want to say he died sometime in the 1950s or 60s. Uh, he was uh, cremated when he died, and his ashes are interred right next to Jocko's. People say that he did that just to, to help 
set Jaco Sad at uh, at his at his ease and uh, ease his soul and ease his suffering. That's not really why, as far as I know. I think he wanted to be buried next to uh, another Native American. Um, he was also a um, chief underwater. Was one of the member of the uh, early settlers association of the Western Reserve, and he was one of the men women who fought to preserve and keep Erie Street Cemetery in 1926. It was approaching 100 years old at that time because it was established in 1826. And as it was about to celebrate its centennial, they were moving graves from there out to Highland Park Cemetery and just pretty much reburying people in mass graves uh, without their headstones. Wow. So he didn't want this to happen. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that Jack Osat was buried there. Uh, so he worked with, and, and he was, yeah, he, like I said, he was a, a Permanent member in the Early Settlers Association, and they all worked together, and they saved the cemetery. So that's why it's still there. The city wanted to do some; they wanted to turn it into a park. They wanted to put Carnegie Avenue down the middle of it instead of down what was then called Ohio Street. So they wanted the bridge to come through there. Um, they had all these ideas, things they wanted to put buildings on it. Um, they just thought that the space could be better used uh, than as a cemetery. So that's why they started moving people around 1900, somewhere in their late 1890s, early 1900s. But he was the one that saved the cemetery, he really was. Uh, and he is, uh, he, his ashes are interred there, right beside Jacosa. Hmm. So I, uh, I I was on um, Mike Travis on a show about seven years ago when uh, Haunted Cleveland, or uh, uh, Buried Beneath Cleveland came out. And they were like, is, is uh, they're asking me, is Chief Wahoo buried at the cemetery across the street? And I had to explain to them that Chief Wahoo is a fictional uh, uh, figure is it, that's not a real person. I'm like, I know what you're talking about. They were talking about Chief Thunderwater because he used to come out and do a war dance before the games and stuff. So for the uh, Cleveland Indians games, um, so that's probably who you think you're, you're 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 talking about. But no, that's not Chief Wahoo. That wasn't even the inspiration for Chief Wahoo or anything. So, um, but people will say, and the, really the story only goes back to the 1990s that Jack Osat haunts Erie Street Cemetery. Mm. Not realizing that there is, in fact, a ghost story that goes back 130 years before that. That was very, very, very prominent in Cleveland News for a couple of years about, about a cemetery ghost, about a, about this ghost over there. So, which, and that's going to be one of the first stories that I reveal in the book. Um, there are a couple of stories that some readers may find familiar. Uh, one of them. And this did appear, this this is one of the two stories that did appear in another book. So the premise is basically these are ghost stories that haven't been written about any book, newspaper, article, website, covered on any newscast since they were first reported over 100 years ago. Uh, there are two exceptions. One of them is a story about a hotel that was located downtown, and a man was accosted by a ghost in his room in this hotel. And at the very same moment that that happened, he hears a scream from out in the hall, and it's a lady that occupies the room next to him. Her sister had been staying with her, and her sister had just died. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, mm. at the same moment that this man was attacked. That's what has been published. And there, there, is, a, there is a book that did, one book did tell that story. But that's all they told. Mm. The haunting followed the body. Oh, beyond the hotel and they stop there it's like no there's more to the story you, you, you the best is yet to come until the body gets to the funeral home to the undertaker's parlor that's when all hell breaks loose 
So that's, they only covered the first half of the story. The other one is a story that appeared in a book by one of Cleveland, uh, Cleveland's prominent um, uh, true crime writers. Um, I won't, I won't say who he is. Um, I don't want to uh, go into that, but he, but really he's a, uh, um, yeah, he's great. I, I have, um, I have like four of his books. Uh, and he's one hell of a writer, but one of the stories that he put in there was a story about a murder that had occurred at an inn out on the East side. And I mean, this murder goes back to the 1840s. This guy had in the story, he accidentally kills us. He was, he was trying to kill a guest at his hotel, murder the guy in the middle of the night, but accidentally in the story stabs his son to death. And when realize, when bringing the body downstairs to bury in the basement, that's when he realizes it's his son. And by this point, the guy who had been staying in that room that hid when the whole thing happened had climbed out a window and got the neighbors. And they come over there and they break down the door and the guy pops himself in the temple oh. uh, and takes his own life. And the story gives dates. It gives names. It gives everything, locations. It's like, oh, wow. my God. Now, it's interesting to me because a few years after that story ran which is many years after the story takes place, somebody talks about how they went and investigated that house because it was supposedly haunted by the son who was murdered. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. Um, so I had to find everything I can about this. Um, I was really thrown for a loop because at the time the house of the building in question was being torn down. It sounded familiar. It sounded like the story of the old inn that is haunted by the ghost of the rich person passing through who was murdered by the innkeeper and they buried the body in the basement. You've heard this story. It's an urban legend that goes back well over 150 years. Okay. This is one of the original urban legends about the old inn that dates back to the early 1800s and sometime during that time. I'm going through, so I'm like, well, I got to find out. And he gives names and everything. And this guy wrote the whole story pretty much as it appeared in the original article from around the early 20th century. He even uses the illustration from the paper, the, the illustration that accompanied the story as the illustration in his book. Huh. I went through. And I went through every newspaper from that period. I did every possible search I widened my range to 25 years either side. I went through coroner case files, which are all over at the uh, uh, county, um, uh, the Cuyahoga County Archives. Wow, I found some really wild stuff in there, like signed confessions uh, to murders wow. in those files. They're the originals, as well as uh, a sworn affidavit of a boy who's dying after his father killed him. And that's the story is based on that story that this guy wrote, this true crime writer wrote. It's not true. Cleveland's one of his one of Cleveland's most prominent true crime writers inadvertently wrote a fictional story of a, a story that appeared in the paper and it was fictionalized. It was an urban legend about an old building and it was something that the neighbors say. The person, the names used are not real people. There's no such person that appears in any census. There is no such person that appears in any of the uh, county. Uh, uh, says the guy was a prominent property owner out there. Not in any of the uh, uh, county tax records. He doesn't appear in there. There's no name even close to him. 
Uh, nothing, nothing at all. Um, it says, uh, uh, there would be a, a coroner's report. There would be a newspaper yeah, article. Yeah, yeah, there would yeah. be something. None of it exists. But then I did find a real murder that did happen about 20 some years after the supposed one happened where a guy didn't murder his son. He didn't stab his son to death. He stabbed his two stepsons to death and it was intentional. And I believe that it's a mix of the old legend because I did find a story about the old haunted inn with the bones buried in the basement. And it's the exact same story. It's the same setup. But it turns out that it's his son. Somebody mixed these two stories and wrote it for one of the Cleveland papers or in the early 20th century as a story. Mm. And about this one old creepy building out on the east side. Um, and that's where the inspiration for that story came from. Uh, and like I said, over in the uh, archives... I held it. I can tell I can pull it up on my phone and I can show you. I've got, I took pictures of the sworn affidavit as uh, Edward Quayle was bleeding out, dying from his wounds. His brother is already dead. Uh, and he, he signs with his mark and a little X as somebody was writing down him saying, I believe that I'm to die. And our stepfather did this. And he says, why? Um, they arrested the stepfather on the spot pretty much right away. And before he went to trial, somebody snuck him in a razor blade. Cut his own throat in the jail. Wouldn't even go on trial. So he's buried over at Woodland. The boys are buried over at Beechwood Cemetery. So, oh yeah, in an unmarked grave. And so is his. Um, Can you share, or do you know what the motive was? Oh, uh, yeah. The Okay, so the motive was uh, he had recently, this guy had recently married their mother, who had been widowed. Uh, not too long. And apparently he thought that she had inherited everything, the farm, everything. So he thought by marrying her, he would inherit everything, not realizing that her late husband had left everything to his four children. Oh. But that they would take care of their mother for the rest of her natural life. Nothing about it going to her because he knew so that something like this might happen. So the uh, the daughter, he had three sons and a daughter, a very young son, about 11 or 12, we loved dearly. Oh, such a good little boy. He's so nice and he's so great. He always treated him with kindness. The uh, daughter, if I remember right, was the eldest and she was married and out of the house. So she owned a quarter of her and her husband owned a quarter of the uh, property. But that left us two stepsons who were like 18 and 20, um, Edward and Henry. And he tried to get them to sign this over the, their halves of the or their part of the land to him. He said, no, because that way I, I can just manage it better and I can take care of the taxes and I can I can handle everything if it's in my name. It'd just be easier if it is. And the guy was a habitual drunk. He sailed a lot. He was kind of he was a rover. Um, uh, one of the uh, one of the Manxmen from the Isle of Man, the whole there were there were a lot of them in uh, a lot of Manxmen in the area. Um, and when he died, he was ultimately uh, buried by his uh, uh, fellow Manxmen. Um, uh, they covered, uh, they covered his expenses. Well, the, uh, uh, one the elder brother went to Cleveland with some friends and had the, uh, had the property put in trust. So he couldn't, so his stepdad couldn't touch it. He came home and told him what he had done. And his stepfather was in a drunken rage and tried to kill him. And his younger brother 
tried to st- intercede and he stabbed the younger brother and then he turned the knife on the older brother. Oh. Younger brother died on the spot. The older brother died and uh, lived until the next day and signed a, yeah, signed Jesus. a sworn statement that it was a stepfather, John Cole, wow. who'd killed him. So. And, so that's, and that's the real inspiration for... We're mad when our ghost yeah, stories get debunked, yeah, but there's so much more evil like that in the world. But that's know. the thing, though, is, is that this was never a ghost story until I found out. See, it was just a true crime story, but I found out that a couple of years after that, sto- that story was released in the paper in the early 20th century, is that that house, as they were getting ready to tear it down, was regarded as a haunted house. Somewhere over there, now I have an idea where it was, can't pinpoint it exactly, but got an idea so i'm going to kind of throw the intersection just where roughly the uh, settlement was located so it's not one of those cases where i can give you an exact there was a there was a story um and i i felt bad i had to remove this one because there was a story about a haunted house for rent uh on lake avenue which is now lakeside on the downtown side and i thought i had the house and then i found an article saying that that wasn't the house and that it wasn't even a brick house and people were congregating at the wrong house and i had to say shit i had to throw the or the article uh, to the side, and I have another story that I'm replacing it with. So that it was kind of on the, yeah, on the sort of on the back burner there a little bit. So you will get thirty. Promise you, you'll get thirty real hauntings. <laughs> Again, I'm not. There is there is no debunking of a haunting. In fact, yeah, quite yeah, the yeah, opposite yeah. in this book. You're going to get ghost stories that I almost guarantee you have never heard before, or at least you have never heard the whole the true story, the whole story altogether. So you're going to get everything. I mean, we've got. We got haunted jailhouses. We got haunted houses that people are throwing rocks through the window. And, yeah, oh, I mean, this is, yeah. And, and I'm starting off. I, I've seen this a few times. Watership Down is one of my favorite novels. Have either of you ever read Watership Down? No. Nope. Richard Adams. It's a great book. So he starts off every chapter with like a little line from a, a poem or a passage or something. So so I kind of did that in this book. So you're going to get uh, some passage from a uh, classic uh, novel or uh, from a poem uh, that is going to give you uh, a little bit of a foreshadowing of what to expect in the chapters. So there's a line from Frankenstein when I talk about the old homeopathic medical college graveyard. Uh, from 1885 is another story that'll be in there. So there's a line from uh, Frankenstein where he toils in the uh, damp soil and he's it's the, the grave robbing. So that's in there. But there's um there's a poem by Thomas Hood. It's called The Haunted House. And it's very long. So I just grabbed the, uh, what would you, I guess, would refer to the, is the refrain, I guess, the part that repeats itself. And I put this in front of a story of a suicide and a, ha- a house that was haunted in the uh, weeks afterwards that they tried to rent over on uh, Prospect. And uh, the line goes, and it's, it, this dates to about 1843 or so, and Thomas Hood wrote this, and he died the following year. But the line that's repeated about four times, five times in the poem says, O'er all there hung the shadow of a fear, a sense of mystery the spirit daunted, and said as plain as whisper in my ear, the house is haunted. So that's one of the lines. That, so that's right there. And it says from the haunted house by Thomas Hood. And then it goes into that story about this mansion on Prospect uh, where this suicide and then this uh, ghost of this hanged man appeared up in the uh, garret. Um, so I do that with all 30 uh, stories. You, you start, you'll you start off by reading some sort of a, yeah, something that's going to lead you into it. Um 
that makes uh, makes some like, ooh, this one's about a hanged man, and it's a, it's a line from Voltaire about uh, hanged men and are good for nothing, and it's like the punishments that should suffice and stuff, and it's and it goes into how someone was seeing the ghosts of these men that had been hanged in the prison, so that's uh, it's a wild story. So it's, it's, it's this one's gonna be an absolute wild ride. I'm loving where this book is gonna go, so we're expecting that uh, next September. So okay, yeah, so. Join us in part two for the rest of the conversation.